Welcome to House of the Exvangelical, a podcast about leaving the church, finding God, and discovering who we were really created to be. My name is Christy, and let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the House of the Exvangelical. I am Christy. The Exvangelical for the evening. <laughs> and we are here with Millie, and we are going to talk about um, her background uh, growing up Catholic in Peru, no less. And then also, we're going to talk a little bit about purity culture. Hi, Millie. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Christy. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so, why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners and kind of talk about your religious background? Okay, well, my name is Millie, like Christy said. I've been living in the States for about 21 years. I moved in February 2000 from Peru, so I was born and raised in Peru before I moved here. Um, and like Christy said, I was raised Catholic since birth. Um, that's kind of my upbringing. So we had kind of been talking um, a little bit before the podcast about the differences between the Peruvian Catholic Church and, and the American Catholic Church. Can you talk about that a little bit? Of course. Um, well, I, I don't have firsthand experience what it's like to be a Catholic here in the United States or any other place in the world for that matter. But I can say that for Peruvians at least, um, Catholicism is kind of mixed in with our culture. Um, I want to say that Peru is about 90% or so Catholic. The population identifies as Catholic. So it is intermixed with our culture. There's a lot of events that are religious-based, but also are cultural-based, and it's kind of both, which is an interesting mix. So it's, it's a little different. It's not just religion. It's part of your culture, too. I know we're, we're going to get more into purity culture later on, but I do want to ask, was there... Did you guys talk about purity culture and premarital sex and all of that in when you were in Peru? I know you moved pretty young over to the States, but had you gotten into that in the Peruvian church? Well, or no? I had, from what I remember, you know, because I was not only brought up Catholic and baptized as a baby in the Catholic church and all of that, but I also went to Catholic school. So a lot of my upbringing, you know, with church was also intermingled with school. And even though I was pretty young, I was a preteen when we moved here, I was 13, um, I do remember school having conversations, especially the nuns, about, you know, how important it was for a woman to be a virgin until marriage and how that was our gift to give to our husbands. So, I mean, it what, they didn't go into much detail as far as talking about virginity and or sex for that matter, but they did make a point to specify how it was important and it was that we were pure. And that we, it was our gift, that, our only gift to give the man, if you want to call it that way, <laughs> which is kind of nutty. <laughs> Do you think the boys were taught the same thing, like your virginity is a gift to give your wife? Or Probably was it not, um, because okay. Peru is also a very, um, can be, I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to generalize that every man is this way, but the culture tends to be a little bit more chauvinistic. So, of course, there were things the boys could do that the girls couldn't do. I mean, to the point that I wasn't even in an all-girls Catholic school. So I can't even tell you, you know, a first-person a first person account of what they told the boys because I didn't interact really with boys. I mean, my school right. was solely for girls, kindergarten through 12th grade. 
Mm. Just girls. <laughs> so the first time that you went to a co-head school was here in the States? Here in the States, yep. I thought I knew so much about you. I'm learning so much more. <laughs> it was definitely an interesting change. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You had so much to deal with mm-hmm. at once. All at once. The language and then the boys and the no uniform, all of it together as you're turning 14 was a lot. Oh, man. Yeah. So how did your spirituality evolve, like, from, you know, from your foundations in Catholic school and then moving into the States? And, you know, how did how did your relationship with God, like, kind of go with all of that? It's really interesting because, you know, like I said, I was brought up Catholic. So, you know, even the earliest memory that I have was going to church and going to Catholic mass and, you know, the priest saying something and you repeating something. And I remember being little and knowing what the words you know, that I needed to say were and just repeating them for, but not actually feeling them, you know, not actually being connected to the service. But, you know, and I did my first communion in Peru, be, going to a Catholic school, it was required as a, as part of the fourth grade um, curriculum. So it's not like you had a choice at a Catholic school, like you were getting your, your first communion and that was it, you know, no choice. The whole class did the first communion at the same time. So I, I, I did do that, but I feel like my relationship with God really, really changed um, when I moved here. My parents weren't crazy practicing Catholics when we were in Peru. I mean, we would go to Mass for certain events, if it was somebody's wedding, if it was somebody's funeral, if it was a holiday like Easter or Christmas. But we weren't frequent goers. Like I, I would be lying if I said that we went every Sunday to Mass because we didn't. Uh, we believed in God. We prayed every night. You know, as a child, I remember praying with my parents every night. Um, but we didn't, we weren't practicing Catholics in that sense. When we moved here, that even changed even more because you add the language barrier, you know, until we actually found a church that, you know, there's a lot of churches that have services in Spanish. But again, we never, growing up, we never really went every week. But I feel like as a teenager, my relationship with God kind of changed as I started learning more of the history of Catholic Church and, you know, of the Roman Catholic Church. And then all the things that have happened with the Catholic Church, I kind of didn't feel identified with them anymore. So I Mm -hmm. felt like a little opening my wings and explored a little bit of what Christianity meant to me. So where are you now? Well, in my teens and early 20s, I actually went to different, I don't know if we've talked about this before as friends, but I actually did go to a lot of different services still within Christianity, non-denominational. I went to a Pentecostal service. I've been to a Baptist service. I've been to a lot of different services to see which one I identify with better than Catholic. This is why I decided when I was 17 not to get confirmed into the Catholic church because I had to talk with my parents and I said I couldn't. I didn't feel like it was right for me to get confirmed into a Catholic church that I no longer felt like it represented me. And they understood. That was really brave. Yeah. And they supported my decision. You know, I I was fortunate enough to grow with, grow up with amazing parents. Um, They they were great. And, you know, I know a lot of people don't have, you know, that in their lives, but I did have parents that were very supportive. And I just felt like I wanted define more my relationship with God I knew that he was real because of nature like to me that's where I find my spirituality 
when I look at a rainbow or when I'm in, you know, a waterfall or, or a forest or something beautiful or I see a colorful bird, I just I just look at those things and think, you know, those things can't be accidents. Like God created those things. Like that's why to me, that's where I feel like God is real. Mm. But, you know, none of this repetition here, stand up here, kneel here, that that just wasn't for me. So when I came to that conclusion, they supported me. And like I said, in my early 20s, I explored and I, I feel like I identify myself as a non-denominational Christian more now than Catholic. Okay, so it was the non-denominational services that spoke to you the most? Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's, I felt more at home at those services. I felt, maybe I felt closer to God there rather than at a Catholic mass. What was it about those types of services that, um, that drew you there? I don't know. I mean, I like the music, not just the fact that it was contemporary music that I was more drawn to rather than traditional hymns and stuff like that. But not only that, but I also felt like the um, the pastors really spoke from the heart. And, and they did go back to the Bible. And I feel like the Bible is important, but I, I just felt like it was more organic and natural rather than the heavily structured Catholic service. Absolutely. Since we are here to to discuss purity culture as well and, you know, both of our experiences with it, is it okay if I reveal that you are a 30-something woman? <laughs> yes, that is fine. I okay. am 35. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, as, as two 30-something women, you know, we were both in the church and even, you know, you were in the States too, like during this time that purity culture was this huge phenomenon. I mean, you had like mm-hmm. Josh Harris writing true, uh, I kiss dating goodbye. That's what it was. I kiss dating goodbye. And everybody was wearing the purity rings, the true love waits, you know, um, oh, I know yeah. that I signed a purity pledge. I think I signed a couple of them in different oh my youth groups. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I, we both come from a time when this was like all the rage and you know I I even now even after I decided you know after a while that um that purity culture wasn't for me and even though I waited for a while I ended up not waiting anymore mm-hmm. um I can see both sides of it like I can see what people were trying to do and I can see that maybe in some ways it was a good thing but I can also see how in other ways this was like hugely damaging and sometimes Mm -hmm. it still makes me kind of angry. (laughs) No, I understand that for sure. Once you got here and I know you were maybe in your in the other churches that you went to while you were searching or maybe as a teenager teachings you were get from other sources like what was your experience with purity culture? Well, I, I mean, first of all, let me say that I don't know if it's okay to say here, but I'm, I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to sex, when it came to all of that. Um, you know, not a lot of people sometimes in high school are thinking about sex and wanting to have sex and, you know, maybe purity culture shamed them into not having sex and they struggle with that. That wasn't the case for me. I, um, I don't know if it was the brainwashing of the Catholic nuns when I was a child or what it was, but sex was not in my mind when I was a teenager, to be honest with you, like not at all. it's not something I thought about. It's not something I even considered. I mean, I was attracted to boys. I had crushes. I dated boys, but it never went beyond kissing. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. 
so like I said, maybe that was the nuns, you know, brainwashing it into us since we were little that, you know, we had to be pure. I don't know. Um, I just know that they, I remembered having those conversations in elementary school when they would tell us all the time that as a woman, we needed to be a virgin just like Mary because our virginity was the best gift we could give our husbands. And, and you know, if we were pure, then we were worth something. And if we weren't, then that was another story. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you hear all the analogies from those nuns, the... Um, you know, like, oh, look at this. Look at this chewed up piece of gum. Who wants this chewed up piece of gum? Did they ever do anything like that? No, they didn't, actually, at least not back in my day. Maybe they started doing that when girls, you know, were a little older. But since I just did elementary and middle school there, I don't remember that specifically. I just remember them telling us over and over and over again how we needed to be pure and virgin. Virginal always oh, at yeah. all times. <laughs> yeah, there were there were so many of those here in the US. Oh like, my goodness. There was there was the the chewed up piece of gum was a big one, which is like as an adult looking back, I was like, that's so insulting. It is so insulting. <laughs> because you know, but... <laughs> once you chew the gum, you can unchew it. So that's really insulting. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then um and then there was a uh, duct tape too. Like how if you, you know, you stick a duct tape, they use like guys arms as an example. They'd be like, "Okay, like your virginity is like duct tape." And the first time you put it on a guy's arm and take it off, it's really sticky, right? But then the next time you try, it's a little less sticky. And the next time you try, it's a little less sticky until you know, sooner or later it just doesn't stick at all, implying that, you know, the more people that you have sex with, the less... The more broken you're going to be. Yeah. That is that is damaging. Yeah. Yeah. And I've yeah. even heard... I'm, I'm going to mess up the Bible verse. I'm an ex-evangelical. It's okay. But, uh, <laughs> but I've even heard people refer to that, like, throwing your pearls to swine verse, which I don't think is in relation to sex at all. I'm pretty sure it's about, like like the like scripture going to the Pharisees. Like I'm pretty sure it has something to do with Jesus's words going to the Pharisees and how it's like, why would I tell you these things when you can't understand it? I have heard that verse twisted to be used for a girl's virginity. Like, oh, like why would you take your pearl of your virginity and throw it to swine? Which first of all, ouch. Second of all, what does that say about men? Seriously. <laughs> It's so contradicting because you know the boys weren't getting told this. Yeah, but also that I mean, they're being referred to as swine. I know. In this analogy. It's horrible. That it, it, it definitely was not related to sex at all. Yeah, I and, and I don't know. I would love to talk to a boy or a man now that grew up in purity culture and find out what they were told because I'm honestly not sure. I think that would be a great conversation to have for sure. Absolutely. You've talked about when you were a teenager and how, you know, whether it was from your own mind knowing that you weren't ready or whether it was from the nuns. Just blame it all on the nuns. (laughs) Just blame it all on the nuns. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. None. N-U-N-S this time, though. I talk about nuns. I've talked about nuns a couple episodes ago, but N-O-N-E-S. 
Oh, yeah, no, those are N-U-N-S. <laughs> right. <laughs> Different nun. Different nun. <laughs> we'll blame it on them. But, you know, you've talked about how in your high school years you just weren't really thinking about sex. But what about when you were, like, in college and in your early 20s? Like, how did any, you know, how did the teachings that you got in Catholic school affect your relationships? They definitely affected them because I felt like, well, first of all, what my mom, you know, I, I was fortunate enough, like I said already, to grow up with really supportive parents. Uh, but because we are Peruvian and we're more traditional, there was no way in this earth I was ever going to have a conversation about sex with my father. So that was never going to happen. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it will never happen um, because it's just not, you know, even though we're really close, it's just not something that we do. But with my mom, I do remember as a child vividly her telling me about how it was not okay for anybody to touch me if I didn't want them to touch me. And if somebody ever touched me that I didn't want to be touched, that to tell her. So she was really always, you know, present and always telling me, you know, right or wrong. But that was honestly like the extent of our conversation. We've never really talked about sex just because we're as close as we are. It's just it's just private. It's, it's something that they don't discuss. I mean, she certainly knows that I've had sex, but we don't, it's not necessarily that we talk about it um, as, you know, having tea or anything like that. Yeah. But um, going back to my college years, you know, I feel like that's when I started thinking about boys and started thinking about sex. I, I did, it, it did cause me to pause and consider, you know, and that's why I waited as long as I did, because, you know, I didn't have sex until my mid 20s. So it was actually after college because I really was stuck in that mentality of, well, oh, well, I'm only supposed to do it with one guy. So how am I going to know if he's the one? So I would date people and I didn't know if they were the one. And if I didn't feel like they were, then I wouldn't sleep with them. But it was not necessarily something that was torture for me. It's not like I was like dying to have sex and couldn't. I was just just didn't until one day I was like, you know what? I'm in my mid 20s and I just want to have sex. So I just did it. Yeah. And it was not with a person that I was in love with or anything like that. It was just one of those things that I was just done waiting. I, it was something that I just wanted to experience. And I felt like everybody around me had already experienced it. And I was missing out. And that's why I did it. And I don't regret it. You know, I, I, I think my first time was perfect. I just maybe I shouldn't have waited as long as I did. So ultimately, do you think that it would have been better for you not to have been so worried about it as, you know, a younger 20-something? Oh, absolutely. Student? Yeah. I would have liked to have maybe had more of an opportunity to to maybe explore it a little bit more like some of the college-age kids do. But, you know, things happen for a reason. And the person that I ended up losing my virginity to ended up being great. So... I, I don't regret that I waited till then, but maybe had I not been thinking about it so much, maybe it would have had different experiences. Millie, if you were a high school youth pastor or middle school youth pastor even, what would you want both the girls and the boys to be learning about sex now? What would your version of you know the church's teachings be? I feel like at the end of the day, God is love, right? So to me, that's ultimately, I, I don't, I mean, this, this is kind of maybe not answering a question or maybe the roundabout way of answering your question, but Catholics believe sometimes that God punishes 
And that's one of the things that I disagree with the most because I don't. I think that God is an all-loving God and he wouldn't go out of his way to punish you. He teaches you lessons, but he doesn't punish you. So on that regard, I would say, you know, as long as you're doing things that are consenting and that are loving and that are coming from a good place, that you're being safe and smart about the decisions that you're making, as long as you're educated and knowing the consequences that your actions can bring, such as an illness, you know, a sexually transmitted disease or a pregnancy or something like that, as long as you're informed and, and are prepared, I think it's okay. I want, I, I would want kids to know that they're not going to go to hell if they have sex before marriage, that I would want them to know that God isn't going to hate them if they have sex before marriage. I feel like that's some of the messages that went to me as a child that were incorrect. You were told you would go to hell? Yeah. Oh, you oh, would man. go to hell. You would go to hell for anything. <laughs> the nuns, the nuns would, would tell you you would go to hell if your skirt was too high. I mean, hell was oh, used goodness. as a threat for everything. So it, it's it was fear. It was instilling fear and instilling the wrath of God and the punishing of God. And I don't feel like God works that way. I feel like we're human and we all make decisions. Sometimes they're not the best and we make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. But God is going to love you no matter what. I mean, that's what I believe. So that's what I would want them to know. Just to be educated yeah. in the choices that they're making. I think something that is damaging about what we're teaching our children right now is this like, this fulfillment, this um, fulfillment prophecy versus like punishment prophecy is I guess what you're talking about. Like prophecy might be the wrong word, like fulfillment philosophy, I guess, versus punishment philosophy. Like I was never taught like you were going to hell. <laughs> oh, really? That's interesting. No, we were going to hell. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, they were always very much like, oh, like God forgives and, you know, like you can have your virginity again. Oh, no, that was not for the Catholics. Virginity oh, no. is a, it's a one-way street, and once you use it, it's gone, and your worth is gone, and your <laughs> gift is spent, and you are, so have horrible. nothing left to give. Oh, no. Okay, hold on, back up. So then, like, when you did finally have sex, did any of that go through your brain? Like, did you have to battle those that weight that had been put on you as a child i think that i had already moved past it because remember i didn't have sex until my mid-20s so by then i had already you know it had been years since i had decided not to get confirmed in the catholic church and it had been years since i had been exploring different churches and different you know christianity avenues that i want to go into so by that point, when I so finally... you were going to hell anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but that point, <laughs> when I finally decided to have sex, I had already made my peace with the fact that the, what, what I was thought was incorrect. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. All right, well, that's good. Because I know that I, I, I didn't accidentally lose my virginity. You know, mine mm-hmm. was like, it was like a process. I remember... The moment that I decided, okay, purity culture really isn't for me anymore. And then, you know, the progression to, it was still like a, a few months after that, that I had sex. Cause I, I, what happened for me was, you know, I, I had been pretty intent on waiting. And then, and then I had a boyfriend that died. And mm-hmm. I kind of looked up at God and I was like, well, what the hell? what the hell was that for? Like, yeah, what was the point? Right. <laughs> like, 
I just was telling him no last night and now he's dead. What the hell, God? Like, what happened? Mm -hmm. So, um, so that was kind of the start of like, okay, well, it's not just about what will I regret doing, but what will I regret not doing? Mm -hmm. So there, you know, that started the, my progression down the path of corruption. But then, um, (laughs) but I still was, was even though I like loosened my boundaries a little bit, I was still very much a virgin until I remember I asked a Christian woman that I really respected, just point blank, if she and her husband had waited. And she said no. And because I had expected the answer to be different, coupled with the fact that I had always been told and this is goes back to the like punishment philosophy, fulfillment philosophy that I'm that I was referring to. I had been told if you wait, your marriage will be wonderful and fulfilling and everything will be roses and butterflies and you'll never have a problem again. But if you don't wait, then all of these problems are going to befall you and you and your husband won't be very close and you'll divorce, you, you know, and you, yeah. What? They're probably telling you your marriage won't work, you'll divorce, it won't work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This woman that I asked this question to, not only did I respect her, but her marriage is something that I aspired to. I mean, she and her husband are compatible in, you know, all these varied ways. They make a great team. They have a very peaceful relationship. You know, I've never really witnessed them fight. Like they just, they, they work. And it's, you know, something that I, that I wanted for myself was a marriage like hers. Yeah, something that you admired. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that just kind of like threw me for a loop. It was like, okay, well, obviously, having sex before marriage doesn't doom you. But then also, there was this uh, contradiction of this Christian woman that I respected having had sex before marriage. So at that point, I was already like in my mid 20s. And and I was in a relationship that where I was in love. Unfortunately, he wasn't in love. But that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. So from then it was like, okay, well, obviously, everything that I've been taught is a lie. Or not everything that I've been taught is a lie. But there's more to it. It's not this simple equation. It's not the only there's a lot more to it. It's a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I made the, the decision then, okay, I'm, I'm not waiting anymore. So this is just a matter of time. And I, it, I made preparations. We talked about it. I knew that we were going to have sex. It was something, it wasn't something that I just woke up one day and was, oh crap, I didn't mean for that to happen last night. Things got out of hand. Like I intentionally did it, but I still battled all of these stories that I heard like Mm. all of the the stories in I Kiss Dating Goodbye and in all of those books that came out around that time where it was like well this couple had sex and it ruined their relationship this couple had sex and her wedding day was the worst day of her life because she felt like she was living a lie and I remember just I, I could not think about anything but those stories for like a week afterwards oh my goodness that's unfortunate. And so I'm, I'm glad that you didn't have the same experience. <laughs> no, mine was different. I just decided at that moment that I was going to have sex and I decided it and it happened. So, and I didn't yeah. have any regrets about it. I didn't have to think about that. I just, I, f- I feel like I got to the point where I was ready, where I started questioning yeah. why I was, what I was waiting for. 
Like I knew that ultimately, and ultimately you want to meet the partner that it's going to be your partner for life. And, you know, and, you know, I'm not married right now, but, you know, I would love to get married. And when I do get married, I wouldn't be married for life because that's, you know, that's what I ideally what I would want. But it just got to the point where I was like, well, just because I have sex doesn't mean that I'm not going to have that either someday. So I just came to the realization that it it was on my own terms. I didn't feel pressured. I didn't feel like it was, you know, the, the the guy wasn't pressuring me and it wasn't something that I wasn't sure about. It was completely my decision. It was my little feminist moment, you know, where I decided it was time because I wanted it. And that's how it happened. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that it was a feminist moment for you. It was. Awesome. <laughs> it was when I wanted it. <laughs> Not when the church told yeah, me to do exactly. it. Not when the man <laughs> told me to do it. Not because, you know, because some, you hear stories from friends here and there where they're in relationships where they feel that the boyfriend is pressuring them into something that they don't want to do. You know, my situation was not like that. You know, I woke up the day and I made that decision and I did it. Well, I, I just love that you made the loss of your virginity, this like feminist moment and that you, you know, you put so much thought into it and you decided the terms. And I love that. And I think that that's something that a lot of us could learn from. Yeah, like sometimes people are succumbing to to a guy's expectations or to, you know, their friend's expectations or whatever. But I think more often than not, women get themselves into situations that they don't necessarily want to be in or or that they're uncomfortable with because they're like trying to live up to their own expectations in a way it's like they feel like they they should want it they should want it to be this way or they should not think that it should you know that a situation should be this way and so they pressure themselves into acting a certain way that isn't true to them and you were just completely true to yourself in that moment and I love that yes I I, I love that moment for that as well and I'm, I'm glad it happened that way and looking back and yeah I'm glad I waited until that moment and that's really what I want the entire message of this episode to be is just be true to yourself be honest with yourself about what you want. So Millie, since you are a self-assured, um, confident woman that writes your own ticket, do you have any final words of wisdom to leave my listeners with? Just what Christy said, just be true to yourself and just know that God is love. That's the most important thing. People aren't perfect. Humans aren't perfect. We make mistakes every day. Um, if you're going to do something like sex or any any other thing in life, just make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Make sure that you really want it. At the end of the day, you have to live with you, and that's it. Nobody else gets to make decisions for you. You have to live with that in your head and in your heart. So be true to yourself. And you know, if you're ready for certain steps, then take them, but on your own terms. And God is going to love you no matter what mistakes you make. So... God is love. Join us on social media to continue the conversation. Follow House of the Exvangelical on Twitter and Instagram at H-O-T Exvangelical. Yes, that's hot Exvangelical, because aren't we all hot for both handles? You can also email us at houseoftheexvangelical at gmail.com. Please follow or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening app. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to leave an honest review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.